Howdy folks, another episode of Exploring Cryptocurrency, and today we'll be continuing our cryptocurrency basics by looking at another project that is quite noteworthy, and this is a project called Ripple. No doubt you've heard of it if you've been acquainted with this space for even a very short amount of time. Really briefly, before I jump into Ripple, I do want to do crypto news and current events episodes but for right now, there is a little tidbit of news that I want to share with you folks, just because I think that this is pressing and should be delivered to everybody in a timely fashion. This is from Coindesk.com, published three days ago, a cryptocurrency project that appears to have raised at least $20 million through a referral-based marketing scheme has been advertising false information about its members. Launched on December 2nd, BHB, that is the name of the project, BHB claims to offer an Ethereum-based solution for peer-to-peer -peer lending, but by January 18th, local media reports were already accusing the project of operating an illegal pyramid scheme. Hmm, pyramid schemes. We've seen those before in this community, haven't we? BitConnect. Hmm. Coindesk is able to reveal inconsistencies in the information provided about the founding team behind BHB that further suggested that something may be amiss at this Chinese-based project. In particular, they found that images said to represent BHB team members had been lifted from unaffiliated university professors who are now publicly denying any association with the project. This is why I had not reported on this earlier. I don't like to report on things like this until they are verifiable, unequivocal facts. And, well, as three days ago, BHB being a scam is an unequivocal fact. According to the web materials, alleged team members include a financial engineer named Bobby White, a blockchain expert named David Shen, and a product designer named Gregory Moss. The respective images of each individual were featured on BHB's website, bgepay.com, and the project appears to have been taken down from the website since, which is good. Now, why do I bring this up, especially if it seems like this has already been squashed and exposed as a scam? I bring this up because even in 2019, we are still dealing with fake ICOs and other such scams. And for those of you who are new to the cryptocurrency space or new to investing in cryptocurrency, that's great. But I just want to advise you to be very careful, be very discerning, be very skeptical. If you hear about an ICO, research the heck out of that project, look at their white paper, read their white paper, read about their team, look up the team members, look them up on LinkedIn, look them up on Facebook even, you never know where you'll find these people, make sure that they're actually associated with the cryptocurrency space in some capacity, and if you want to go even further and be very investigative, go to their white paper and copy and paste certain elements of it in quotations in Google and make sure it doesn't match up to some other white paper, that it wasn't just a composite of uh, copy and pasted plagiarized statements. Because a lot of times these scams, what they do is they will try to make a legitimate looking project, build up a bunch of hype, fund it in Ethereum, and all these people send Ethereum to their wallet address and they just disappear. So this is a very common type of scam that happens in the cryptocurrency space. It's very unfortunate, but in any infant market, like basically this is the wild west, you know, this is somewhat akin or actually very analogous to the dawn of the internet. So just keep that in mind. It is a friendly warning to all of you out there just to be careful. This kind of BS still happens today. And my ultimate recommendation in regards to scams or ICOs and all of that stuff, avoiding them, that is, is if any 
project or uh, organization in the cryptocurrency space is asking you to send them your cryptocurrency to their wallet, be skeptical, especially if they are offering you an investment opportunity. That is 99.99% absolutely patently false. For example, just a few weeks ago when the BitTorrent token launched on Tron mainnet, there was somebody going around the Tron forums and communities basically saying, oh, we found this proven, verifiable investment algorithm for Tron. For every 10,000 Tron tokens you send to us, we will send you back that 10,000 plus a 50% increase. So you send us 10,000, we give you 15,000 within two weeks. And that is such BS, guys. I've seen that scam a million times. But you know what? People fall for it, especially people new to the space. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means that you're not familiar with the space and the kind of things that people can do and get away with. This is not traditional finance, guys. This is the Wild West. So be careful, do your due diligence, do your research, and you will learn by doing it. That is your friendly warning, little reminder that this stuff still happens in the cryptocurrency space. We are not immune to it, but we can combat it by spreading awareness and doing our due diligence and being careful. So I've digressed enough. Let's get to the topic at hand. Today we're going to be delving into Ripple and its native token, the XRP token. And we will, of course, take a close look at how this cryptocurrency functions on a fundamental level. It's quite different from other projects that we've looked at thus far. One of the reasons is because we'll be talking about cryptocurrency use cases that are designed for institutions such as banks, especially major banks. Ripple's XRP token, let's start this off by looking at what Ripple has to say about their own project. Ripple's XRP token, according to Ripple, quote, built for enterprise use, XRP offers banks and payment providers a reliable on-demand option to source liquidity for cross-border payments. That's great that they can sum it up so quickly like that. It is a little vague. If you're familiar with finance economics, that may have made more sense to you, you may have extrapolated more information from that than the layman. But as always, we're going to really break that down and understand what that means in this episode. So using XRP, banks can source liquidity on demand in real time without having to pre-fund what are called Nostro accounts. And I promise we will go over what Nostro accounts are in this episode. As you folks know, I don't like using terminology from cryptocurrency-specific lexicon without explaining what it actually means. Too often, resources do this when explaining cryptocurrency and blockchain technologies, and it's just highly counterproductive to those who are new to the space or to a given project, so I don't like to do that anyway. Payment providers use XRP to expand reach into new markets, lower foreign exchange costs, and provide faster payment settlement. Again, the primary function of XRP is to be used by payment providers, banks, and other financial institutions as an instrument for sending payments around the world that are more cost-effective and faster. So, a pre-funded Nostro account. Typically, if you're trying to send money across the world, especially in the case of banks, we all know that this can take three or five or seven or even more business days in some instances. This is because when you are a bank and you are sending money to another country, you actually have to have a pre-funded account in that country's currency. And if you do not have this, the transaction will take exponentially longer to complete. 
So that is what a nostro is. And if you're curious about the name, this is just a term derived from the Latin word for hours, hence their currency or our currency. Because again, these accounts are used to facilitate foreign exchange and trade transactions. Now this is where the core idea of XRP comes in to play. XRP is designed to allow you to circumvent all of that. So you can use XRP and transfer money from one country to another in mere seconds. Now, if we want to look at some metrics for comparison, Bitcoin transactions can take anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour, Ethereum often minutes, but XRP transactions when XRP launched a few years ago, we're taking an approximate four seconds to execute, and I do believe now they have reached their goal of executing XRP transactions at a rate of one second. So it's understandable now why there was and is so much buzz about XRP in the cryptocurrency community, and not all of this buzz is positive necessarily. Let's just recall that many in the cryptocurrency community believe that decentralization is an absolute tenet of cryptocurrencies and thus XRP is in violation of this ethos by working with traditional financial institutions like banks. If you want my personal opinion, I just say we need to be really realistic about adoption and what needs to be done needs to be done in order to see that including regulation to reasonable extents. Again, the aforementioned, the thing that I launched off this episode with talking about this scam coin that was going around with a fake ICO that scammed people out of $20 million. That is why SEC regulation, at least here in the States, of ICOs is actually not a bad idea. Anyway, a lot of people like to argue that XRP is going to cause centralization, but you could counter that by saying, well, the Bitcoin proof of work consensus algorithm also causes consolidation of wealth and power. So there's arguments all around, but I think ultimately XRP is a really revolutionary technology and it's got some very unique properties that we're going to go into. As I said, there are updates in the XRP network since its launch that have been bringing this transaction time of four seconds down to one second. And in terms of scalability, XRP handles an approximate 50,000 transactions per second. To put that into a relative viewpoint, around the time XRP was developed, it was able to handle 1,500 transactions per second. While contemporaneously, Bitcoin was handling about 6, and Ethereum an approximate 15 per second. So we're looking at some major leaps here with XRP. You'll notice that I'm saying XRP here, not Ripple. Again, XRP is the native token, the actual cryptocurrency, if you will, that runs on the Ripple network. It's the token which is used in the Ripple network to facilitate transfers of money between different currencies, and it can also be used as a simple exchange of value, much akin to Bitcoin, and often that's what the use case is. Existing settlement systems generally use US dollars for a common currency for converting between other currencies. And this again incurs currency exchange fees and takes time, which is why bank transfers between accounts in different countries often take days to process. So how do XRP transactions compare to traditional interfiat exchange? Let's go ahead and take a look at the traditional route. It would look something like this. Alice in America, she wants to send $100 USD to Bob in Germany so she instructs her American bank to execute the transaction. 
After taking necessary charges, Alice's American bank will issue instructions using the present-day SWIFT system that will credit Bob's German bank account with the equivalent euros, or if he desires US dollars. This process will involve high charges at both ends and will take up to a week or more often for processing. But what if we use XRP tokens? Well, we'd be doing the transfer of assets on the Ripple network. That same $100 is instantly converted by Alice to the equivalent in XRP tokens, which then can be transferred to Bob's account over the Ripple network. Upon verification and authentication of the transaction by the Ripple network, Bob receives XRP tokens, which he can then convert into his native fiat currency, in this case the euro, because we're in Germany, or if he wants, he can exchange them for any type of fiat currency, or he could retain the XRP tokens as is, and either invest in them or use them for another cross-border payment. Basically, to sum that up, by first converting the value of the transfer into XRP rather than US dollars and subsequently Euro, exchange fees are eliminated and processing of payments is reduced to mere seconds. While XRP has its own network, Ripple has also implemented something called XRapid. We can't cover Ripple without covering XRapid. Because these cross-border payments often require pre-funded local currency accounts around the world, liquidity costs are considerably high. XRapid essentially lowers the capital requirements for liquidity. And what that basically means, when you have all these Nostro accounts all over the world in various currencies, that is a really high level of liquidity to maintain, and that's very costly. But XRapid completely does away with that because you don't need those pre-funded accounts. You have this XRP native token in this Ripple network, and you have this XRapid technology whereby you are able to have on-demand liquidity, which naturally lowers costs while enabling real-time payments. Here we have a reliable liquidity option to service cross-border payments. So it's pretty simple, right? Shall we call it a day and wrap it up then? No, of course not. Because this is where the particularly, especially interesting stuff comes into play. We know from our recent Bitcoin episode that Bitcoin uses a proof-of-work consensus system via mining. XRP is very different. XRP is not mined, but it is what is called pre-mined. That is all of the tokens are pre-mined, while Bitcoin has a total supply of 21 million tokens. Ripple has a total of 100 billion tokens that are pre-mined. So you might be wondering, if Ripple has 100 billion tokens that are already in circulation, how is this even a valid cryptocurrency? Well, the short answer, they're technically not all in circulation, and we will get into that. But first... Let's take another look at Bitcoin really quickly so we have a metric against which we can compare Ripple and how Ripple works, how its consensus algorithm operates, and how its issuance protocol works. While Bitcoins are released and added to the network as and when miners hash blocks and earn, or if you will find Bitcoins, a smart contract controls the release of XRP. And if you're puzzled about smart contracts, I really highly recommend listening to our most recent episode, the Ethereum episode, which explains smart contracts very much in depth. But basically, smart contract is just a self-executing contract, and the terms of the agreement are written in code, which is implemented on the blockchain. 
The way this particular smart contract works is a total of 55 billion XRP tokens are kept in an escrow account, and each month a maximum of 1 billion tokens are set to be released as governed by an inbuilt smart contract. Any unused portion of the XRP in a particular month will be shifted back to the escrow account. This mechanism ensures that there will be no possibility of misuse due to oversupply of XRP tokens, and thus it will take many years before all XRP is in circulation. So that's a pretty fascinating model. This also means that the Ripple system consumes negligible power owing to its mining-free mechanism. Again, when we talked about Bitcoin, we looked at proof of work, and we talked about how it's not very cost-effective and it consumes immense amounts of energy. I always love to tell the anecdote about the Bitcoin mine, which harnesses its heat output to power a potato farm. That's just ridiculous! Now, similar to Bitcoin transaction processing fees, XRP transactions are also charged fees. Each time a transaction is performed on the Ripple network, a very small, minute amount of XRP is charged to the user. And this begets a question with a very fascinating answer. Where does this fee go? Ripple designed an interesting mechanism to protect the XRP ledger from being disrupted by spam and DOS attacks as denial of service. That is that each transaction must destroy a small amount of XRP. So these fees essentially are destroyed. This is the transaction cost. Again, it is designed to increase along with the load on the network, the transaction cost that is, making it very expensive to deliberately or inadvertently overload the Ripple network. This also informs a very high number of XRP tokens that we mentioned and explains how a consequence of price collapse is avoided. It's pretty cool. Last, we cannot learn about how XRP works without touching on consensus. You guys know I'm a consensus zealot in terms of my personal research. I'm most fascinated with consensus algorithms and finding a consensus algorithm that is sort of hits the triumvirate of qualifications, cost-effective, decentralized, and something that is energy efficient, which typically it's always just two of the three, but... Ripple has a really interesting consensus mechanism. If XRP doesn't use proof of work, then what does the network do to validate transactions? Well, the XRP ledger has a new ledger version every several seconds. When the network agrees on the contents of a ledger version, that version is validated and its contents can never change. It's immutable like most blockchains, or all blockchains rather. The validated ledger versions that preceded it form the ledger history. So that's interesting. The XRP ledger network is peer-to-peer -peer and it is a blockchain. Again, the XRP ledger network consists of many independent XRP ledger servers that accept and process transactions. Basically, client applications like wallets or even electronic payment platforms sign and send transactions to XRP ledger servers. So let's break this process down. The Ripple network receives transactions from different nodes. The goal of consensus is to write the valid transactions to the ledger. These transactions are pushed forward in a batch to all other nodes. After 50% of the nodes approve the transactions, the batch with approved transactions is pushed forward for higher approval ratings. The network works in an iterative manner. 
Iteration in this case means just the repetition of a computational procedure that's applied to the result of a previous application, typically as a means of obtaining successively closer approximations to the solution of a problem. So this is kind of a mathematical concept. The network, again, works in an iterative manner. That's what that means. Now, these approved transactions need to first be approved again by at least 50% of the nodes, and then they are sent off to be given even higher approvals. Once a transaction reaches a supermajority of approvals, i.e. 80% of the nodes approve the transaction, then it is written on the ledger. Ultimately, this makes the Ripple network very unique. They have their own consensus algorithm, a proprietary one, which they call the XRP Ledger Consensus Protocol. To review all of that, the properties of the XRP Ledger Consensus Protocol can be summed up pretty nicely as such. We'll do this by bullet points. One, everyone who uses the XRP Ledger can agree on the latest state and which transactions have occurred in which order. Two, all valid transactions are processed without needing a central operator or having a single point of failure. Three, the ledger can make progress even if some participants join, leave, or behave inappropriately. Four, if too many participants are unreachable or misbehaving, the network fails to make progress rather than diverging or confirming invalid transactions. And five, Confirming transactions does not require wasteful or competitive use of resources, unlike many other blockchain systems. So all that said, where did Ripple come from? Who created this stuff? Well, Ripple was released in 2012 by a company that at the time was called OpenCoin. It was later renamed Ripple Labs in 2015. That's the moniker by which it is known today. The company was founded also in 2012 and is based in San Francisco, California, here in the United States. Interesting thing to note, as of September 2018, XRP actually became the second largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization, although at this moment, Ethereum has reclaimed its number two spot by over $1 billion as of today, and this happened in early January, and I would ascribe this, attribute this to uh, recent developments in the Ethereum network, but Ripple is constantly vying for that number two spot, and many even argue that XRP is vying for that number one market capitalization spot. Why is this? Because XRP has mainstream applications. This is a unique cryptocurrency, again, in the sense that it is marketed to banks. I mean, I remember when Ripple was launched, a consortium of something like 30 plus Japanese major banks were all testing XRapid. They were testing the Ripple network. A lot of financial institutions and payment processors are looking into XRapid technology and the Ripple network. They basically see a lot of value in this as a means to facilitate cross-border transactions and have more liquidity and not have to have these pre-funded Nostro accounts that are all over the world constantly maintaining liquidity costs and overage costs and transaction fees and slow transactions. Unfortunately, a lot of major institutions are kind of copying the X-Rapid idea in a sense. I kind of see that with some consortia and permissioned or rather private blockchains implemented in financial institutions. But nevertheless, point is, Ripple has a lot of mainstream and real world use cases that are available now. 
So that results in a high valuation, a lot of public interest, a lot of investor interest, and that high market capitalization that we saw. So with that said, that is Ripple in a nutshell. I really hope you guys enjoyed. And as always, you have my gratitude for choosing Exploring Cryptocurrency as a source to learn about these exciting new technologies. One really awesome thing you could do is if you share this with other people so you can introduce them to the cryptocurrency and blockchain space and these new emerging technologies. Also, we are available on iTunes. So if you're subscribed to our RSS feed, you could go directly through iTunes and rate and subscribe and just have auto download set up there if you prefer. And we also do have a blog where I often publish articles and research profiles of more complicated projects and go into the technical functions of these projects. And that is uh, able to be found at exploringcryptocurrency.blogspot.com. And I sincerely hope you folks learned something today. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Exploring Cryptocurrency. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you next time.